everybody. Welcome to another episode here of the Side Guys Football Forum. I'm one of your co-hosts, Norman the Side, joined as always by my good friend, my good buddy, the other half of the Side Guys, who's Tad the Side. And Tad, we're finally getting to it. We've been teasing it for the last couple of episodes here. We've been teasing it on all our social media handles as well. Um, we are answering questions from you, the viewers, the listeners, um, people in our LAFB Slack channel. I mean, Tad, your friends, my friends. I mean, we've been reaching out to anybody and everybody to send us questions that they may have about their fantasy football leagues. It could be super specific, which we have a couple questions like that. Oh, yes, we or do. it could be pretty broad as well, where it's just like general strategies for how you approach your fantasy football draft. So, we are going to try to get through all the questions that are submitted to us. Hopefully, we'll get through all of them. No promises, though. Um, but, yeah, we got a lot of great questions, Tad. So we should no, be no, no, no. I'm going to make the promise. I'm going to make the promise. I don't care if we are here for three hours, my friend. These people carry us. We will be here as long as it takes to answer all their questions. Please don't have too many questions. <laughs> we'll see we'll try our best to get through all of them that's that's my goal too but just yeah it's obviously you know based three on hours how, how deep we go into a question that will obviously play into time here but yeah i have i have good faith that we should get through all of our questions today as well and ted i mean let's let's not waste any time let's just sort of let's get it. into it here and guys i mean you see the social media handle down below you see the ticker down below we talk about this all the time like i mean we're doing this episode based off questions you submitted but throughout the season and up until the season, like continue to interact with us because we'll answer your questions through social media, through direct messages. I mean, just anything that you guys are asking us about fantasy football, we are here to help you with trade advice, waiver advice, um, how you should approach your draft. I mean, just options where you're drafting, just anything and everything, guys. Like, don't be afraid. Like, we're doing it today's episode, but that doesn't mean it stops after today's episode. It continues on throughout the season and even before the season begins too so i mean really quick you see us on down there below on twitter you got me at on the side 23 you got tad tad the side and four you got the show handle at the side guys and of course on instagram at the side guys as well so please do not stop interacting with us we love your questions love to help you win some titles this year for sure so and well real quick sorry to interrupt him so speaking of interaction i'm interacting with a listener right now he well, first off, he said is Bijan Robinson a viable fantasy option, which he's just trying to give me trouble for for my Bijan Robinson <laughs> take. Of course, but I actually course. think this is a this is an interesting question. <clears throat> People started going to PPR formats because running backs were too overpowered. Now that switch is it time to go back to no PPR? I say no. I think PPR or ha half PPR is the perfect in between. With that is because like you like kind of you know you take PPR you lower it a bit. But you still keep receivers fairly relevant, especially since there are so many of them. Yeah, I 100% agree with that because there's a lot more depth than in your fancy draft. Because if you're going purely off of no PPR, then, then it's like pretty much if you're not grabbing some of the top touchdown scores in your league, then, then you're kind of screwed, screwed as far as once yeah. you get to the middle rounds. Whereas adding that PPR element, whether you do half, whether you do full – that sort of adds a little bit of extra, just, you know, lots of guys that may not score. Like, look at Deontay Johnson, Tad. He scored zero touchdowns last year, but he still finished within the top 30 because he was a PPR machine for the Steelers mm -hmm. last year. So That's a great example. if you take away those touchdowns, Deontay Johnson becomes useless to you. So that's why it's great to sort of keep that PPR element in your fantasy leagues because, yeah, that adds extra value to some receivers that may not always find the end zone for some reason or not. So... Yeah, I do understand. I, I have a friend who actually plays in a traditional touchdown-only league, and it brings a different element rough. of strategy to it. 
But just, yeah, I traditionally, for me, I like the PPR element or half PPR element. I think that just, like I said, gives you added sort of depth and gives you added strategy as far as like, okay, if I miss out on some of the top guys, I can get some of these other guys that will get me a lot of receptions and yards that will still supplement my roster in a positive way. So there we go. All right. So thank you, Jimmy Wallace, for the first question kicking off this episode. Amir, what we got next? All right, this is actually coming from one of your former colleagues, and that's Jason Davis. And so he plays in a dynasty league. So he asks us the question, in a dynasty league, should I trade David Montgomery for Alvin Kamara? And so, Ted, obviously you got this question first, so you probably have already been thinking about it. So just what are your thoughts on this possible trade? So the way he initially framed it, I thought he was trading Kamara for Montgomery. Like he would be getting Montgomery, and I said, no, don't do it. And then he was like, no, 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 I'll be getting Kamara. I was like, yeah, do it. Oh, like, yeah, 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 go for it. That's a steal. And here's why is because this is how you trade, right? You take advantage of people panicking. You take the knee-jerk reaction, the lapse of judgment before people kind of, you know, start to settle in their minds. You take advantage of emotions. That's how you trade. And this is a perfect example of that because Kamara just recently was announced was he's going to be suspended for what, three games? It's three games, yeah, right? Three games total now. Three games. So this is a knee-jerk reaction of like, uh, you know, saying the person offering up Kamara because they're like, oh my God, three games and like, I can't deal with that, whatever, take him. Well, okay. But when he comes back from the three games, and by the way, in some leagues, if they're suspended, you can put him on the IR spot. So if you can do that, absolutely go for it. But if, even if you can't, okay, fine. He rides your bench for three games, and then he comes back. He has the unquestionable number one spot in New Orleans compared to David Montgomery, who does not have that in Detroit with Jameer Gibbs there. Is it Jameer, Jamar? What is it? Jameer. Jameer. Okay. With Jameer Gibbs there, you don't know what the target share, the target split is going to look like. So with Kamara there, I know Kendra Miller. I've talked him up a lot. He is going to be good down the road, but I don't think Kendra Miller is going to make that much of a fancy impact his rookie year. So Kamara, you get a almost unquestioned number one starter, whether he can be effective in that role. That's another question, but I, I will always go for the guy who gets more touches over the guy who you don't know if it's the same case. That's fair. But I guess for me, it's just, we've talked about Alan Kamara before, just like he was seeing the decline already with him. And now we're seeing the supplemental pieces behind him with Jamal Williams and Kendra Miller. So for me, even though David Montgomery is going to have to deal with competition in Jameer Gibbs, most likely he's going to be a starter. He's going to get more touches. The key word there is dynasty. So I'm thinking about long-term mm. here. So even if That's the fair. Lions decide Jameer Gibbs is the answer for them and they don't need David Montgomery anymore, they have an out after 2024. I had to look it up right now as you're giving your take here. They could cut him after the 2024 season and only take a $2.25 million dead cap hit on their, uh, on their contracts or for him. So – if they decide they want to cut him, now Dave Montgomery will sign with the new team and hopefully get more of a starting role with the new team. So even though his prospects of being very effective with Detroit are kind of low, I like his overall future a lot better compared to Alvin Kamara because we're already starting to see the decline. And in a dynasty league, you need to start thinking about three or four years down the road as opposed to the immediate. So while I agree with you, I like the immediate with Kamara more than David Montgomery. I like the long term with David Montgomery more. So for me, I would not take that trade. I would hang on to David Montgomery. See, you're the Oklahoma City Thunder. 
You're like thinking like years and years <laughs> in the future. And I'm the Los Angeles Rams where I'm like, fuck it. We're giving up everything That's to win fair. right now. That's fair. It's That's just, fair. it's which mindset do you fall in? But um, no, I agree with that. It's, it's yeah, exactly. It's which mindset do you agree with? Because if you're going for the long-term success, um, no, I would not take that. But I'm more, like I said, I'm more of like, just fuck it. Win now. We'll figure it out later. Um, if you're more of that mindset, absolutely do this. And, um, also Dave Montgomery, I hear the, the weather in Indianapolis is quite nice this time of year, <laughs> especially since I got to move off for Jonathan Taylor. Shut up. So. Shut it. <laughs> All right. So Jason, we appreciate by the, the way, question. by the way, I, I want to put this in the, in the time capsule just in case. So my birthday is in about two weeks. I'm like 90% sure my friends got me a JT Jersey for my birthday. Seems accurate. Which, exactly. oof, that did not age well. <laughs> uh, all right, so Jason, we appreciate the question. We're going to move on to some of the other lots of questions that we have here. So we're going to go to the LEFB Network. It's from the CEO, the big boss man, Ryan Dyroud, sent us this question. Tad, is Cam Akers draftable this year? And honestly, Tad, you've answered this question. You I've, are I was all in on Cam Akers, so I'm going to let you answer this question. I feel like I don't even need to answer anything here. I mean, I, I'm going to go through this very quickly because I spoke on this three times now. And I'm not even going to lie. I copy and pasted my notes for this yeah, one. So, fair. yeah, exactly. So, yes, Cam Akers is one of my favorite uh, sleepers of this year. I think that despite the – ready? Ready? It's like, I feel like you could say it with me at this point. Despite the rocky relationship between him and Sean McVay, I think <laughs> <laughs> You could have, like, thrown it to different words, like tumultuous. No, you could no, have said, tumultuous. You know. um, <laughs> what, uh, stormy? Stormy relationship? Stormy is a good one, between, yeah. <laughs> between Sean McVay and Cam Akers, I really think they've figured out their differences. And Cam Akers, especially now with Sony Michelle being retired, uh, is now the unquestioned number one starter in Los Angeles. This is a stat I always give out, partially because it's absolutely amazing. He averaged five yards of carry in the last five games of the season, averaged almost 18 fantasy points a game, and that was all without Matthew Stafford and Cooper Cup. So if this is the first time you're listening to this episode in a while, uh, go back, listen to some of our previous ones, because I have been talking up K-Makers for almost two months now. He is 100% draftable, and now he is being drafted as a you know borderline flex option. I'm telling you, he will end up as a running back two option by the end of the year. Yeah, I 100% am on board with everything Tad said, and I've also added to the fact that, you know, what sort of question marks behind Cooper Cup as far as who's going to supplement that passing offense – you got to look at the fact that Sean McVay will need to establish the running game to sort of give defenses more to worry about. And that's where Cam Akers is going to come into play. Like Tad said, he played very strong towards the end of that season when he was getting more touches and getting more carries. So I very much think that's going to carry over into this season. And he's going to be a feature back sprinkled in with a little bit of some of the other guys, Kyron Williams, Zach Evans. So those types of guys, but Cam Akers is going to take the lead as far as that backfield there for sure. So yeah, hundred percent. Cam Akers is draftable. Tad, where do you think you're going to be drafting him? Like, as far as your, you know, ADP, like, you know, which rounds would you target him, you'd say? Rounds, I would say, <clears throat> like, six on from that. I think that's yeah. prime position for him. Especially because, you know, you and I are currently drafting. This is, I mean, you speak about long drafts. This draft has been going on for, what, like, three, four days now? Uh, Amir and I are... Beginning. You've never done a slow draft, it seems no, like. No, take time. When is this? Is it going to, like, be over by, like, next Friday? It will be. People people start to pick it up as we get closer to the season goes along, but yeah, this, that's the, the whole point. The season, yeah, it's a month from now. 
Oh, dear God. I hate slow drafts. It's like, uh, okay, whatever. But we're in a slow draft right now, and it's funny how quickly you're, the that running back pool drains. Because I took, um, uh, who did I take first round? I'm playing on who I took for, oh, Jalen Hurts. I took Jalen Hurts and Stephon Diggs in round one and two. And then round three, I was looking. I'm like, yeah, I can probably wait on running back. And then I looked at the depth. I'm like, oh, no, I can't. And yeah. so Cam Akers is the type where if that happens to you, where all of a sudden all these good running backs are gone, well, then he's probably going to be there, like I said, from round six to whatever. So I think that that's a very – like Cam Akers is a great backup plan, whether it be for flex or for running back two spot. Yeah, 100% agree with that. I think after round six is a good target spot for him to add to your roster there. Uh, so appreciate you, Ryan, for that all question right, all right. there. Got, got another Jimmy Wallace question. What's the best trio of players on the same offense for fantasy? I say Joe Mixon, Joe Burrow, Jamar Chase. That's a safe one for sure. Um, but I'm going to go with the LAFB network here with the addition of Kellen Moore. We spoke about him so highly so Ooh, far, and I think it's going to make that difference. But I also like the Justin Herbert, Austin Eckler, and Keenan Allen trio as well with the Los Angeles Chargers. Um, I also very underrated here, maybe a little bit because of the running back, but I'm going to go to Kansas City, and I'm going to go with uh, Patrick, really? Mahomes. Patrick Mahomes. Technically, okay. he's not a receiver, but I'm going to say Travis Kelsey. Well, he's at trio. Trio okay, players. He's a tri- so okay, matter. so it's yeah, general. Yeah, trio, okay, so yeah, I'm going to go players. Patrick Mahomes, okay. Travis Kelsey, and then I'm going to say okay. Jarek McKinnon as a deep sleeper. I think he's going to emerge wow. as a high-producing okay. running back in that backfield because we saw it at the end of last season. So stick with that AFC West. I like that trio as well. But, yeah, 100%, I'm all aboard with you, with Joe Burrow, Jabbar Chase, and Joe Mixon. But, yeah, the LAFB Network's going to be very happy because, yeah, I'm high on the Chargers with Kellen Moore, Justin Herbert, Austin Eckler, and Keenan Allen. How about this for a hot take? Kenny Pickett, George Pickens, Najee Harris. That's not bad. There's a lot of underrated ones out there. Yeah, like, no, that's, on, that's a good question. That is a fun bad. question to play that's with. That's a good one. That's a good one. Trevor Lawrence, uh, Christian Kirk, Etienne and Evan Calvin Ingram. Ridley. That's not Etienne, bad either. I like Etienne, that one yeah, too. Yeah. I like that one Anthony too. Richardson, Michael Pittman. I can't even do that one. Oh, if Jonathan Taylor was going to stick around. Like, Dude, we'll you shut your mouth. You shut it. That's not bad either. That's not bad either. All right. So that's a good question for sure from the looks like your group text chat there. So that's why we don't have a banner They're giving me one of the one on the fly here. One of the questions was, why didn't Tad hang out with us last night? The reason was because I'm broke. Unfortunately, I can't answer that one. I don't have I can't. stats behind I that can't. one. I can't. Uh, uh, I mean, I do have the deep stats. It's I'm broke. Ah, there you go. There you go. That's a simple answer. Yeah, there we go. <laughs> All right, so let's get to our good friend. We were actually on his podcast earlier this week, Chauncey Talese, and that he's so asking us this question here. Who's on your no-fly list this year? So pretty much just, you know, guys that we're avoiding. I know we did an episode, I think, maybe a month or so back, talking about guys that we're just out on, guys that we're in on. But, Tad, just sort of either resurfacing that episode with some of the guys you brought up or some new guys, just who are guys that you just, nah, I'm probably not drafting this year. All right, so I'm going to go through this relatively quickly by went one, <clears throat> excuse me, I went one quarterback, running back, receiver, tight end. So uh, <laughs> my my quarterback is Mac Jones. I Even yeah, with the fair. signing of Juju Smith-Schuster, he had, I believe, 23 touchdowns, 11 interceptions last year. He's fine. I'm not going to say he's a terrible quarterback. He's a fine streaming option depending on your, you know, on his matchup. But in terms of drafting, I am not wasting a valuable draft pick on Mac Jones. Running back, DeAndre Swift. I think this is a name that a lot of people are going to recognize and draft because they recognize him. And especially because like, oh, DeAndre Swift, that's a name I recognize. Philadelphia Eagles, they're a good team. This much must be a match made in heaven. Uh, take it from a guy who had Miles Sanders on his team last year. 
the Eagles are the most frustrating team to have a running back with because either Jalen Hurts is going to keep it in the red zone or A.J. Brown's going to catch it in the red zone. Very few times is the running back going to actually score in the red zone. So I think DeAndre Swift is going to be a fine running back, but for where he's being drafted, I think people's expectations of him are way too high. Uh, wide receiver. How about this for a hot take? Mike Evans. Yeah, not that hot. Oh, God damn it. We talked about it before. We're Come just not on. a fan of offense. Yeah, so, yeah, no. that's it. Well, not, not just that, but like Mike Evans has been frustratingly inconsistent for what, the last two or three years? And that no, was true. with Tom Brady at the helm. Right. If he is inconsistent right. with Tom Brady at the helm, and from all reports, this Buccaneers quarterback uh, battle is an absolute clusterfuck. Like, apparently, Kyle Trask is, like, not doing that great. Baker Mayfield is even doing worse. I heard Baker's, like, having a horrible training camp right now. So, it's I, – I don't think the Buccaneers off – I almost went uh, with Rashad White last uh, for running back. But, um, yeah, with, in terms of consistency, I don't think Mike Evans is there. I think he's kind of past his prime unless he goes to a contender. So, unless he gets traded, I'm not even looking Mike Evans' way. I would uh, – Chris Godwin is borderline, right? Like, I may, maybe I'll take Godwin. Mike See, Evans – I feel the know. opposite. I'm not – I'm a no on Chris Godwin. I could be on board with Mike Evans because of the pure volume. Nah, nah. But that's the thing. The vo- Thank you for saying that because people always say the pure volume. But if you actually look, the, per, the, the pure volume is actually not as high as you would think. It's because unless they are in the red zone or le- unless they are attacking the, the defense really, really well, if that offense stalls, they never look Mike Evans' way. That's why I'm actually flipped from you is because wh- wh- who they look to to get the offense going is Chris Godwin, not Mike Evans. So that, that, target, that volume share is very, very iffy. And then finally for tight end is Kyle Pitts. Nothing against Kyle Pitts, but the way the Falcons utilize him is a run-heavy offense, so already his volume share or his target share is a little lower than it should be. And on top of that, it's either Desmond Ritter or Taylor Heineke. Not a big believer in either one of them. So I just I don't think Kyle Pitts is going to be this tight end one a lot of people think he will be. Um, so I'm I'm not there, there are plenty of other tight ends that I would rather go for. I think Evan Ingram, whose ADP is very similar to Kyle Pitts right now, I trust Ingram miles more than I trust Pitts. Okay. Okay. Um, so my options that go through mine a little bit quicker here. So uh, my quarterback, of oh, the well, well, that was quick for me. Sure. <laughs> for me, uh, for me, that was for quick. you. Yeah, I guess so. I Thank guess so. you. So at quarterback, I'm going to go with Geno Smith. You know, I know he finished as a top yeah. five fantasy quarterback last year, but just what I saw down the stretch and in the playoffs specifically, just that I think is a Geno Smith that Flash we should expect. Pan. And Flash so I think, yeah, this season he's going to definitely crash down to earth. He's not going to finish as higher. So I'm out on Geno Smith. Um, I brought him up before at the running back position. Ramondre Stevenson. I know a lot of people are sort of buying mm. into him being an RB1, but like you talked about with Mac Jones, I'm just worried about this offense sort of being effective enough where if defenses can then key on the running game, they'll be able to stop Ramondae Stevenson. So I think he's going to be effective, but just a lot of people are drafting him as RB1. I do not see that at all. I think he's more of an RB2 in my eyes. And so, yeah, I'm out on Ramondae Stevenson. I'd rather have somebody else overdraft him. But if he slips, then I may take him a little bit later there. Uh, the wide receiver position, I actually brought up his name already. Deontay Johnson. So it's like, I like the fact that he's getting the receptions and the yards. On the no-fly I- list? 
Uh, by no fly list, exactly, wow. because I'm seeing more of emergence picket to pickets. I'm hearing that all of the time through articles that I'm reading and on Twitter as far as things that I'm seeing in training camp and in preseason games as well. So I think that's going to translate to the season a lot more that, you know, Pickett's going to be looking George Pickens' way a lot more compared to Deontay Johnson. And like we talked about, he scored zero touchdowns last year, even though he had over 150 targets. So, I mean, that sort of says something as far as who they're looking for to score this offense. So, yeah, I'm out on Deontay Johnson. I'm not going to be drafting him. Um, and then at the tight end position, we brought this up before, but Jared Waller, I think just the injuries have sort of led to him. Just sort I, of being, I disagree with you on this one. That's fair. I think if he's healthy, he's going to be a dynamic piece of that offense, but just like looking into that offense too, they're a little bit more passive than aggressive compared to what he was able to do in Las Vegas. So I just, I'm a little bit out on Jared Waller. I think just depending, once again, with all these guys, depending on value, I may take them a little bit later, but where they're going as far as the ADP, I think just that's why I'm out I do have a very exciting uh, live update. Jason Davis did complete the trade. Wow. Just, okay. just went through. Just went through right now. But he recording. has received so Alvin Kamara, and he, is he has received Alvin Kamara. Yep. Right? Mm-hmm. yep. Okay. All right. There we go. We will see, we will see, see how that all correct. plays out. So, Chauncey, we appreciate that question. We're going to move on here to one of our loyal listeners, uh, my good friend, Jay Boyd. And he asked Jay Bear! He has asked us a very specific question here, Tad, so it's not as general here. This is so specific. He's drafting in a 10-man league. He's drafting at the sixth position. So his question is just like, what are your options for the sixth position in the first round and then coming back at the fourth position in the second round or possibly at the seventh position in the first round and then the third position in the second round? So who are players that you like at those various positions as far as when they're coming up? So I will say this real quick. I assume this is a snake draft, uh, given yes, the question. Yeah. But um, this is a, maybe this is a hot take. But I actually prefer where Jay landed. It's like right in the middle. It's a good I spot. Hate being, I, good I hate spot. being on the ends. The ends suck because there's just so much questionable of like if I take a running back here, hopefully this running back is here. Nine spots later, and it's just like if you're in the middle, you're like, okay, there's less you know unknown going in there. But anyway, so this is a very good position to be in. I think what you go for at number six is unless there is a surprising like it's just five straight running backs, and this goes from one seven as well, five or six straight running backs. There's always a running back there that people are sleeping on, and I think that running back is Nick Chubb. And uh, American speak to this because he stole him from me yesterday. But uh, <laughs> I'm all in on Nick Chubb. Son of a bitch! I was so, <laughs> actually that was on Friday because I almost cursed in the middle of my class when I saw that. Uh, true story, by the way. But um, I think Nick Chubb is – I feel like this has been him his entire career. For some reason, he still doesn't have the fancy respect he deserves. True. So he is not going top five, even though he is consistently put up top five fancy running back numbers. So I think you go for a running back that's going to slip. Maybe – look, I've been down on him, but Derrick Henry at this point could potentially be there at 1-6 or 1-7. Um, I know some people are kind of sleeping on him. I'm still a big believer in uh, uh, Brees Hall. I think Brees Hall is a potential guy, a bit of a reach, some people may say, but I think in that the first could... round, I think that might be a little high. Second round, 100% all board. But again, I'm going off of like, let's just assume all running backs are being taken here. Sure. Like if, sure. But that's not realistic because, of course, like one or two quarterbacks are going to go there. And speaking of quarterbacks, two, four, two, three, that's where you go for your quarterback right there. So I would say, yeah. yeah. So first round, go running back. Second round, go quarterback. I know people are like, oh, that's a novel take. But the thing is, like, don't get too fancy for your own good, 
right? Like if, uh, let's say, I don't know, uh, Garrett Wilson is there at one six and like Nick Chubb is there and you're like, Ooh, maybe Garrett Wilson would be better. Don't do it. Just stay calm, stay the course and go with the best running back available in round one. Cause like I said earlier, that pool can dry up very quickly. It's actually interesting because, yeah, it, it depends, obviously, how your draft plays out. Because some people play the more traditional role where they're like, I want value running back. So like you said, Tad, five running backs can go before you. Then you're sort of left with a lot of good options. Like you could take a Travis Kelsey. I think he's a home run pick in the first round. You could go with yeah. one of the prize receivers. And Justin, I don't think Justin Jefferson will be there. But if he's there at 1.6, no. I hope oh, he's to take hundred. No, no, no. Forget my advice. Forget exactly. my advice. If Justin Jefferson is there at 1.6, you take Justin Jefferson. Most 100%. likely somebody is going to take Jefferson yes. before that no. he's going to go as a top five pick. A lot of people are taking him number one overall. So, I mean, that's sort Not of the, what I'm seeing as well. But I think you just sort of need to play the percentages as far as how the draft is playing out. I think there's going to be a good mix of running backs and receivers. So, like I said, Travis yeah. Kelsey is a good option. Austin Eckler, I think, could possibly be there at six. Stephon that's not bad. Diggs that's a good, a good option. Um, Cooper Cup, maybe a little bit early, but I like him there at the first round, number six. I don't think he'll be there by the time you pick again at 2.4. And I was just about, I was like just it too. about Nick Chubb. Nick Chubb at 1.6, I, I think I'm a huge fan of that as well. I was just about to ask that. You don't think Cup's going to be there at 2.4? Because I think there's a slight chance he might be. There's a slight chance. Just because the so injury. The injury, the injury, yeah. It's a possibility, yeah. With that injury sort of nagging him, maybe it's going to leak into the beginning part of the season, so that may scare a few people off. But that's a sort of like – it's you have to play that game, right? It's sort of a game. I, say, I, I like you, you – like the, our viewers on YouTube are seeing the gears turning here. I'm like, do you take that <laughs> risk? of like – I think I take that gamble. I think if All Cooper right, Cup is good. there and another running back is there, I think I'd take that gamble of going running back or tight end, like you said, Travis Kelsey, well worth the pick of 1-6 or 1-7. Easily. I, I think that gamble might pay off. I think All Cooper right. Cup might be there too. God, I love fantasy football season. Like, this is <laughs> – this is not act. This is not a bit like, oh, this, oh, man. And some other I'm options totally... at 14, like Devontae Adams should probably be available. Garrett Wilson, who we already brought up, would be a good option as well. Uh, Bishon Robinson. I know, Tad, you're not high no. on Bishon Robinson, but I think there, he's going to get a lot of touches. He's going to be valuable. So there are 2.4. He's definitely not going to be there when you pick again later in the third round. So he's a good option there. And obviously, Saquon Barkley would be a good option as well. So I will those say are some Devo options there. Um, and then sticking with the 1.7 to 2.3, it's actually very similar. Uh, maybe some other guys that I throw it at seven is like maybe CD Lamb would be an option there. Maybe you take a guy like Saquon Barkley, maybe a little bit earlier in the first round there. And then at 13, um, Amonra St. Brown would be a good option there. You also got um, some of the guys we already listed there. So it's actually very similar as far as 1.6, 1.7, and then 2.4, 2.3. Just there may be a few other guys that may be available that you can pick one pick earlier compared to that one pick later. So. Lots of good options there, but yeah, I think uh, Jay, I think specifically, is just like, yeah, Travis Kelsey's there at 1.6. I think that's a whole run pick for sure. Yeah, 100%. So um, I will say this is with tight ends. I said this with, um, uh, I believe it was Kelsey, was if you feel nervous about drafting a tight end early in the first round, uh, when you draft Kelsey, you're not drafting a tight end. Just imagine you're drafting a receiver. Because exactly. like I I know because I'm the same way where I'm like it just it's a tight end and I'm like ah but like it's not a tight end with Kelsey you're drafting Mahomes number one receiver so get that out of your mind and it, a name you brought up that I love is uh, Devonte Adams I'm shocked as ADP I don't know why he's slipping I I 
Is it the Garoppolo effect? I think I'm, it's I'm a not... change from Garoppolo to Dare, uh, from Derek Carr to Jimmy Garoppolo. Obviously, the injury history. Like, if he has to miss time, then that could possibly be a factor as well. So, yeah, I think that's probably but, playing. But yeah, Ad- Adams is going much lower than I than I expected personally. So yeah, if Adams is there, two four two three, just for pure. I mean, we we brought this term up a lot. Pure volume or targets. Oh my God, Adams is gonna feast this year. So that that's a good kind of weirdly slipping receiver you can really really benefit from. Hundred percent. So great question, Jay. We appreciate it. Um, let's move on here, Ted. Let's get to the running backs here. So we got another question for Brian Dyer, the big boss man. Um, where do you rank Austin Eckler among running backs? So what are your thoughts on Austin Eckler as far as the running back landscape? I, I'm currently looking up my exact rankings for him. Uh, so I had. <laughs> I had Austin Eckler ranked as number four behind Christian McCaffrey, Nick Chubb, Saquon Barkley. And once again, um, that's where you think he's going to finish, correct? Yes. Yes. Yeah. So that's where I think he will finish as the number four fantasy running back in the league. By the way, if you want to see all of our fantasy rankings, check out our Instagram handle at the decide guys and at on Twitter. I believe I shared it there at also the decide guys. Um, I like Eckler a lot. I think even with all this contract dispute, you know, BS and by BS, by the way, I mean, BS on the charter side, pay that man, pay that man franchise Eckler. I would, I honestly wouldn't play movie side out, but that's, that's another podcast segment. But, um, I, I think Eckler is going to be so wholly valuable to this offense, especially now, like you mentioned earlier, that this offense is just primed for a breakout. You look at, uh, you know, Quinn Johnson, who's been having, he scored last night, by the way, two TCU players scored for the Chargers last night. Darius Davis on the punt return and Quinn Johnson. Nice, nice. Go, go frogs. But anyway, I think that Quinn Johnson is going to help this offense just flow better, especially when, when, not if, when Keenan Allen and or Mike Williams goes down with injury, this offense is not going to stall like it did last year. And that's mostly because of Quinn Johnson and Austin Eckler and Josh Kelly. And they are just such a complete offense. And let's not forget who was a more successful Cowboys running back last year. Zeke Kelly or Tony Pollard? hundred percent Tony Pollard. Like I mean, that's exactly <laughs> Tony Pollard. Thank you. That, that, that was a very long pause. I was getting nervous there. So Tony Pollard and Austin Eckler's uh, skill set is very similar. I think Kellen Moore knows how to make the most of a running back with that skill set. There is zero, you know, doubt in my mind that Austin Eckler is going to have yet another great season. The only reason I put Saquon in front of Austin Eckler is because like I said, that passing game in Los Angeles is a little better than that passing game in New York. So I think that Austin Eckler is going to get, you know, fewer touches on the ground than Saquon Barkley. That's fair. And yeah, I'm hundred percent with you. Just everything that you said, I echo that. And just, that's the reason why I haven't ranked as my second best running back behind Christian McCaffrey. So honestly, like he's going to be involved in this offense. I think you're saying limited to the passing game, but that's where he sort of makes his butt. That's where he makes his money. He's a very gifted pass catching running back. So they utilize him there. Gets a lot of receptions, gets a lot of yards through the air as well. So, I mean, yeah, he's definitely that dual threat running back that you want in fantasy football leagues because you're getting points as the rusher as well as the receiver there. So, I have a break number two behind Christian McCaffrey. But, yeah, I think just he's an absolute home run pick in fantasy leagues as well, for sure. Um, so, let's move on. Let's get to the next question here, Tad. So, whoa, whoa, whoa. you didn't answer the question, though. Where you rank Austin Eckler? Clearly, you're not listening. I said I ranked him second behind Christian McCaffrey. Okay, I missed that. My bad. Moving on. <laughs> I was not listening. I was not listening. I was sending yeah, a text message. Clearly, you were not listening. Like, I don't know what you were doing, but I, I said was it sending three a text times. Message. 
Don't text him podcast, kids. Oh, gosh. All right. So let's move on to the next question. This is, again, from our good friend Chauncey Talese. And he is asking, which player is likely to get drafted way too high this year? So who's a guy that just is getting overvalued in fantasy leagues? I already brought up a name, Ramondre Stevenson. In my eyes, I think he's going a little bit too high. People value him as RB1, but I don't think he's at that level. But it really just depends on how the offense plays out. I do have another guy, but, Tad, I'm going to pass it to you here first. Uh James Conner is going in the fifth round. I had to like double check okay. my ADP numbers for that. I was like, fifth round? Really? Um, look, nothing against James Conner. I know that like, yes, that offense is clearly going to move through him with Kyler yeah. Murray out, but like, that's kind of a problem as well is like everybody else and their mother knows that. So they can yep. shut James Conner down. He is not, an, you know, Adrian Peterson type running back where it's like, yeah, you can come at me. I'm still going to pull through you. Not James Conner. If they're blitzing you, they're going to stop you. So like, I, I don't hate him as a bench option. Um, but as a fifth round, I mean, that's like running back two territory. And I don't see yeah. him fit in that that uh you know that area. The other two players I have real quick are Mike Williams, the you know Chargers receiver. Like I said, Quinn Johnson's looking really really good. I think Quinn Johnson's going to eat into his fantasy value a fair amount. Not so much to make him fantasy irrelevant, but just enough where he's not quite where he was. Uh, so Mike Williams is being in the sixth round, uh, and then the seventh round running back is James Cook. I don't I don't trust any of these Buffalo Bills running backs anymore. I don't I don't trust them. I think James Cook is gonna split carries and people are drafting him to be a you know running back two slash flex option. I see him as like a borderline flex option, maybe. All right. All right. So honestly I was looking at the rankings and I didn't feel that there's anybody going way too high, like based off the question here. Uh but I did find a guy that I think is going higher than he probably should be going. Because I like the guy that he's playing with a little bit more. That's actually Debo Samuel, the San Francisco 49ers. And so you look at what he's where he's going. He's, actually, he's going 10 spots higher than his teammate Brandon Ayuk. And so I think just the the funny thing for me is that a lot of people are expecting Debo Samuel to sort of le- replicate what he did in 2021, where he was sort of that everything, do anything for this offense. And you have to remember that they traded for Christian McCaffrey. And so he's going to take a lot of what made Debo Samuel so effective in that season away. So I'm not saying they're not going to use him in the running game the way they did before, but just that's why they brought in Christian McCaffrey to sort of take that load off of Debo Samuel. So is he still going to be effective as a receiver? Yes, but I think just some of that specialness that he brought to the offense is going to be taken away to an extent. And so that's why I like Brandon Ayuk, who's been absolutely the star of 49ers training camp this year. He had a thousand yard season last year. Like, I mean, I think he's going to continue to build on that. Kyle Shannon completely trusts this guy. If you saw it last year, Brock Purdy was trusting this guy too. Brock Purdy's going to be a starter for the Niners as we get to week one here. And so I like Brandon Ayuk more than Debo Samuel, but the fact that Debo Samuel is going 10 spots higher than Brandon Ayuk, that's where I sort of see like, okay, maybe he's going a little bit too high for me. So I'm, in that case, I'm saying that Debo Samuel is going too high, but I still like both players for sure. But just I like Brandon Ayuk a little bit more. All right, fair enough. See, your your Niners takes always make me nervous because especially because I just drafted George Kittle. And I'm like, I actually like Kittle, and you had him listed as one of your busts. I'm like, fuck, I hope I'm right. 
We'll see how it all plays out. Believe me, as an Irish fan, I hope they all have amazing yeah, no, seasons. I'm sure. But I'm just sure. looking at the past history and the trends that I've seen, it's just like this is sort of how, how it all plays out. And Debo Samuel has been working his ass off this entire offseason. He's gotten to a lot slimmer. He's at his college right now. So he's trying to be more fast. He's trying to be more dynamic, sort of like that rookie Debo Samuel that we saw. So we'll see. Maybe that's going to make a difference too. But just, yeah, in my eyes, I like I just a little bit more than Debo Samuel. But yeah, that's just how I answer the question there. So, Chauncey, we appreciate the question again there. So let's get to another question here, Ted. Um, also from the big boss man. Um, he sort of has a theme here. So he's asking these L.A.-related questions, which is perfectly fine. We yeah. work for LAFB Network, that's right? Yeah, we have to pander every now and then and just you know, give the people what they want. Exactly. Of course. That's exactly what we're here for, to answer their questions regardless of what they are. So he's asking, Ted – is Tyler Higby a top 10 tight end? No. No. Okay. No. Okay. No, he's not. No, no, no. Okay. You know what? We're going to play your favorite game. You ready? It's <laughs> time for over under. Amur, over under twice last year, two times, did Tyler Higby finish with over 10 points? Over. Under. It was wow. only once. Okay. It was only one time he finished with <clears throat> over 10 points. And look, this is not saying anything against Tyler Higby as a player. I am more making a statement about this offense as whether it be Higby, whether it be Gerald Everett, whether it be like a th- whatever the last like, you know, 10 tight ends have been in the Sean McVay offense. Look, this offense just does not like tight ends. And that, that's just a, a fact that we have to accept. And because every year we fall for this, you know, this fallacy that's, oh, it's a passing offense. It's a very efficient passing offense. Therefore, the tight end must be part of that. Mike McVeigh is like going back to the like 2000s where, yeah, you can have a good passing offense without a good tight end. So, no, I don't trust Tyler Higby whatsoever as a tight end. He is borderline undraftable, in my opinion. Wow. Okay. Okay. So, I'm actually going to counter your point here because even though he may not have gotten more than 10 points in his entire season last year, only once, I should say specifically, he still was one of the more highly targeted players in that offense because, Tad, he was one of four tight ends with over 100 targets last season. He had the fifth most reception and the ninth most receiving yards among tight ends. He finished at the sixth best fantasy tight end in PPR leagues last season. So, I know there's question marks around Cooper Cup. We talked about him possibly having an injury to that may leak into the beginning part of the season. We'll see about his status. But behind him, we've already talked about just who's going to step up to be that secondary third option in that passing offense. Like, could it be the rookie Puka Nakua? Is it going to be Van Jefferson? Is it going to be Ben Skoranek? Is they're just like, who knows? I mean, we had Chauncey on our on his podcast talking about Demarcus Robinson. It's like, is he going to emerge? It's just like, we don't know. But one of the big things is that we saw Tyler Hickby get a lot more involved. So maybe as a game-to-game piece, he is not going to be valuable. But overall, throughout the entire season, he still finished within the top 10. And Ted, we've talked about this so many times before. The tight end position is a wasteland. It is a crapshoot. It's a complete gamble. It's, It's like fallout. But in fantasy football. Exactly. So it's like you look at it, this tight end position that there could be a possibility where if he sees the same numbers, there's a 100% good chance that he's going to finish within the top 10. Now, I'm not saying that I'm trusting him. That's a completely different story. But I'm saying that answering the question specifically, is he a top 10 tight end? In fantasy purposes, there's a very good shot he could finish as a top 10 tight end. But am I trusting him to be my starting tight end? Definitely not. I think, like you said, with like just getting the points 
per game basis where he only went over double digits once that sort of worries me so it's like if he's only getting you know involved enough where he's getting the total numbers but not the game to game numbers because you want that game to game carry over that's how you're going to win and your matchups every single week right it's not a total uh team uh total player scoring option right like that's great but just you want that game to game sort of effectiveness so that's what worries me a little bit more with tyler higby but is he going to finish as a top 10 tight end i think there's a good shot my mind is blown because I thought you got the target number wrong. I'm looking at it right now. You're absolutely correct. 108 targets. Yeah. How I've never seen a player do so little <laughs> with so more. And so that's what that's worries incredible. me as far as him being a starting that's, tight end, but he could finish in the top 10. That's what I'd say. I always say I love target share. Like it's it's always about the target. Like I'm 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 you you got me stuck between a rock and a hard place right now. Like all right, I I still say undraftable because I I don't know, but. Uh, just, I don't trust anyone in McVeigh. I don't trust any tight end in McVeigh system ever again. I've been burned by that too many times. That's fair. That's fair. And actually, Tad, I think this will lead into our next question, which I think will be perfect. And that's from our good friend Jay, uh, one of our loyal listeners here, is that should you draft an extra tight end or quarterback? And I think Tyler Higby sort of plays into that strategy because – I think it's pretty fair to say, Tad, that if you end up with one of the top tier options at either position, like you end up with a Patrick Mahomes, you end up with a Justin Herbert, you end up with a um, Jalen Hurts at quarterback or a tight end, you end up with a Travis Kelsey, a Mark Andrews, um, George Kittle. It's like, I don't think you need to take the backup option or you don't need to prioritize it as much. But if you get some of those guys like in the middle rounds, like let's say you end up with a Kirk Cousins, let's say you end up with a Jared Goff, uh, let's say you end up with um, Tyler Higby in this case, let's say you end up with a Cole Komet, I think that's when it's valuable then to add on to your bench then to get a supplemental piece because depending on the matchups, depending on the bye weeks, depending on just how overall how their season is going to go, we don't know how it's going to go. So like you're saying with Tyler Higby where it's like, he only put up double-digit points once last season. So it's like game to game, it's going to be hard to trust him. So then that's where you want to pair him up with maybe more of like a guy with a high upside. So maybe you take a chance on a rookie tight end like a Sam Laporta in Detroit, Michael Mayer in Las Vegas, maybe Dalton Kincaid in Buffalo. So then you sort of get that like if there's upside, if they do decide to involve him, then that's where you're sort of going to get your benefit. And then same thing at the quarterback position where it's like you drafted Justin Fields, but last year was sort of like, you know, he had to put the team on his back. That's why he's successful. You want to pair him up with the backup option. It's like those are sort of options that you want. So I think it's pretty clear if you get like one of those top options at either position, I don't think you need to prioritize getting a backup as much. But if you get into like the second level or third level at either position, that's where it's like good to sort of have that backup option. But what are your thoughts on this question? I think you're right on the tight end thing of like if if you know a good backup tight end is there towards the later rounds like you said with Laporta, Mayer, Kincaid because all those guys should be there. I don't think there's going to be a big run if any on rookie tight ends. Sure, go for it if you want to. I don't see an immediate need for a backup tight end just because they're like we said it's a wasteland of fantasy. So you can find a serviceable uh, replacement should your starting tight end go down on the waiver wire. Um, and if you're looking for a serviceable replacement, wondering which one to go for, uh, you can check out the decide guys. Cause we will have our weekly waiver wire target episodes coming out just as soon as kickoff hits. But in terms of quarterback, I say 100% always have a backup quarterback. Always, 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 always like okay. no question. Always go for a backup quarterback. So if you're between the two, do I go for another tight end? Do I go for a quarterback? Always go quarterback, but like, like I said, regardless, that's that's almost always my third to last pick before I take my defense and kicker is always my backup QB. 
All right. Because think about like how often does like a sleeper quarterback come along on the waiver wires? Not that often, right? So like that's why you draft the guy first, and then how often does a you know waiver wire sleeper tight end come along? At least twice, three times a season. So you're just playing the odds at that point. That's fair. That's fair. So I think you take either strategy there for sure. So I think either one can sort of work there. Um, All right. So we're getting we're gonna go rapid fire right here. You ready, Mark? I guess so. Rapid fire is term for you. Oh, shut up. Anyway, so this is also from our friend Jay Bear, which I am definitely now calling him from now on. So, what's your advice for handling FAAB for waivers? For those of you wondering, that is free agency or waiver wires that you actually have to put in a dollar amount for. So, it's almost like an auction draft just for the waiver wire. So, Amur, do you go for players later in the season or earlier in the season on that? So, for me, I think it's just... You have a budget. So for those who don't know, free agent allocation budget, that's what FAAB stands for, is that you get a set budget for how you handle your waiver wire throughout the entire season. So if you spend it all in week three, you have no more money for the rest of the season. So if you get to the fantasy playoffs and you have an injury, that's what gets sort of cost you because you have to look at last season, Tad, where Lamar Jackson hurt himself in week 13 right before the fantasy playoffs. And now you're kind of screwed if you spent all your waiver wire money on your waiver wire additions earlier in the season. Now you don't know who to place at the quarterback position. Jamar Chase, he missed four games in the middle of the season. So if you need a replacement receiver, if you spend your money wisely, you should be able to get a good option there. So for me, I think you need to avoid spending all your money early in the season unless for sure you know that this guy is going to be a lock for your roster. I think you sort of need to analyze your roster pretty well as far as like knowing where your holes are, knowing where your bye weeks are. So you need to plan ahead as far as like, okay, I may need to spend a little bit more money in week nine when my quarterback has a bye week or week 10 when Travis Kelsey has a bye week or, you know, whatever it is. And so you can sort of adjust your fantasy uh, budget as far as the quarterly picking up waivers throughout the entire season. But yeah, I I'm not a fan of spending your entire budget early in the season. I think you sort of need to plan it out throughout the entire season. So you're good to compete the entire season long. Well, I admitted being broke earlier this episode, so this probably isn't the best <laughs> advice, but uh, I completely disagree. I say not your entire budget. Great. I think keep you know a, a rainy day fund, but I think spend most of your budget early in the season is the way to go because I'm her two words, my friend, James Robinson, is we once on this podcast had an episode while I was sitting in a goddamn Denny's because I, was, I finished last in my fantasy football league because I had two options. And it was either uh, I was first on the waiver wire order. I either could take James Robinson or I could take, I don't even remember because he didn't do anything after I took him. And I, I opted for the wrong one. And that showed me, and that was week one. That was after James Robinson broke out that first week where he had like 50 points or whatever. And I, I bet wrong. And so I think that if you wait too long, that waiver wire eventually becomes very dry. You can ask me and Mer both. It, doing waiver wire episodes like week 14 on is incredibly difficult because like who's still out there. So I think sure be conservative, but don't be too conservative. Fair. Fair. All uh, right. Fair. Moving on. Which rookies are good keeper options for next year? Uh, obviously you have your quarterbacks, which I'm sure you may touch on, but I will say one rookie to keep an eye on. And yes, I'm a little biased here, but I really do think he has some promise as the years go on in dynasty leagues, Josh Downs. With the Indianapolis, I do like I think think that Mm -hmm. could be a very interesting slot receiver that could end up paying dividends later on down the year. So I say Josh Downs is a good pick. 
So for me, obviously, you want to think about keepers as far as like, who are you drafting this year that's going to help you next year? So it's not necessarily like a dynasty league, right? So with keeper options, guys that probably will get drafted this year, look at the quarterbacks, you look at the top three, you look at Bryce Young, CJ Stroud, Anthony Richardson, they're all probably going to be drafted. These are guys that are probably going to make that step up next year to be more fantasy relevant. So those are possible options at the quarterback position. Running backs, obviously got to look at Bijan Robinson. You look at Jameer Gibbs, Devin Ashane. Roshan Johnson has been looking pretty good for the Chicago Bears during preseason yes. right now. Yeah. So that's a great guy as far as value because you'll probably take him very towards the end of your draft. And depending on how your keeper system works, you'll either get him in the same round that you drafted him the previous year or it'll move up one round. But still, that's excellent value because that's a double-ditch round. You're getting a potential starting running back there with Roshan Johnson. Wide receivers, your boy, Quentin Johnson, he's probably going to be drafted in the double-digit rounds. That's excellent value if he emerges. That is a good one. Starter. That's so like actually a great pick. There. I love um, that pick. Jackson Smith and Jigba, because of Seattle's uh, wide receivers there, you look at Tyler Lockett, you look at DK Metcalf, if one of them decides to falter or like you know they decide to move on from one of those guys, I don't think they'll move on from any of them. But just there's a possibility if they get it more involved that he's a great value, he's probably going to go late in your draft as well. Jordan Addison, I think he's going to go at like rounds eight or nine, so that's excellent value for next year um zay flowers who i'm a fan of tad i think you're a I little don't. bit more hesitant on i like zay flowers i don't like lamar jackson that's my that's problem. fair that's fair but he's gonna be going in double digit rounds too so if he emerges he's a good keeper as well uh you look at marvin mims with tim patrick's injury if he steps up this year <laughs> that's he'll be just, a good addition tim next patrick year. and didn't he just cut someone uh kj hamler they released because there of the medical issues. so yeah marvin go. mims is definitely mm-hmm. gonna step up if he emerges, that's good. And then both former Tennessee receivers, Jalen Hyatt, Cedric Tillman, I think they could both possibly be good options J- as well. Jalen Hyatt, I like a lot. I think exactly. that is and then the nice tight ends, we already weapon. brought up all the names there, but Dalton Kincaid, Sam Laporta, Michael yep. Mayer. Yep. I've already said on this podcast, I'm not a huge fan of rookie tight ends, but if you vest them this year to keep them for next year, that's where you get the most bang for your buck. So there's a lot of King- great options. Kincaid's, <laughs> Kincaid's my favorite one out of that pack. I think Kincaid's yeah, going to be a, a big one. part of that that's offense moving forward. For sure. For sure. All right, Ty, let's get to the next question. All righty. Last one is, if I can find it, which player is due for a fantasy resurgence? I say Calvin Ridley. I mean, what better says resurgence <laughs> than, yeah, exactly. Well, that's why I took it because it's easy. It's It, for sure. it requires for sure. a, it requires the least amount of effort. So, of course, I'm going with that path. So, uh, I mean, you also want to talk about what requires the least amount of effort is Calvin Ridley coming back in this offense, like is going to be just smooth as butter, which is this is like, honestly, physically pains me to talk to, up to Jaguars like this, but it's just, I can't help it. Like this yeah. offense is going to be great. I love Etienne. I love Trevor Lawrence. I love uh, Calvin Ridley. I still like Christian Kirk even. Yep. I think Kirk's uh, fancy value is going to be hurt a little bit, but he's still a viable wide receiver number two. So Calvin Ridley after a year off, I think is going to come back with an absolute vengeance and I'm absolutely miserable because of it. Exactly. He's going to absolutely dominate this year. Um, For me, I'm going to bring up a name that I haven't brought up yet, and that's Darnell Mooney with the Chicago Bears. So, I mean, I like it. he can sort of go back to what he, how he made a name for himself in this league now with the addition of DJ Moore. So, I mean, DJ Moore is getting a lot of love. He's getting a lot of attention, which makes a ton of sense. It's a highly made acquisition by the Chicago Bears to pair it with Justin Fields. But now... Darnell Mooney's going to get that supplemental piece in this offense to make him more effective too, because you have to look at last year. He was playing with the likes of Equity via St. Brown. He was playing with Marquise Goodwin. He was playing with these guys that are not really going to take a lot of attention away Ch- from him. Chase Claypool, who didn't do shit. That was way late in the season, but yeah, Chase Claypool to an extent. He's still on the roster this year, but just overall, when he was effective, say what you want about Allen Robinson, but when he was in Chicago, he was an effective receiver. He was. No, and Allen that's Robinson how Darnell Mooney was able to emerge because he played opposite Allen Robinson. Now you have 
have a good piece in DJ Morgan, that's going to make Darnell Mooney that much more effective. So I expect him to really come back. He also dealt with some injuries last year as well, so that sort of hindered him too. But the addition of DJ Moore is really going to help Darnell Mooney. I think he's going a lot later in drafts. He's excellent value that you want to pick up on. No, I love that. I think that's a perfect, like, like I said, like usually like third to last round before you go defense kicker, I usually take a backup quarterback. If, you know, quarterback slipping, sometimes I take one earlier than that. But yeah, if Mooney is there in the last like four rounds and you're just like, yeah, fuck it, let's take a flyer. That is like the perfect flyer to take because there's nothing wrong with it. Some receivers, like you said, just thrive in the number two role. And sure. like, that's just, that's, that's, you know, they're neat, uh, niche, whatever that, that, that's her, how you say it. Niche. Yeah, you said it right. Niche. Okay, I was yeah. I stumbled. But anyway, that that's where they thrive, and there's nothing wrong with that. So I think that Darnell Mooney, if DJ Moore can live up to expectations, that's a big thing. Because if DJ Moore falters, then Darnell Mooney is not going to be able to thrive. But if it works out the way everyone expects it to, I can definitely see Darnell Mooney. Dar- oh, Jesus Christ, Darnell Mooney having a that's good late, bounce man. back season. I know. It's I like know. what, 4.30 your time? I'm trying to talk <laughs> fast. That's the problem is I'm trying to talk, I'm trying to go rapid fire here. So yeah, so Darnell Mooney, good pick. Uh, Bottom line, yeah. shut up. For sure. For sure. <laughs> all right, so that's actually, we got through all our questions. Unless, Tad, you got some more through the text line, like your group chat or whatever. <laughs> like, I, mean, uh, but I think we got I, through I, I have one all last the questions one. that are submitted to us. I have one last one. It's directed at the two of us. Um, okay. I don't really want to read this, but I guess I have to at this point. <clears throat> do it. Do it. How can a team managed by two people be so bad at fantasy baseball? How are we bad though? We're in contention right now. <laughs> that's that's going to be my response once this is this recording is up. But uh, yeah. yeah. So hold on. Apparently. Ooh. Okay. All right. This is a good one. Oh, fucking shit. I hate this one, but this is a good, real quick question. <sighs> What's the best destination for Jonathan Taylor? Oh, interesting. Interesting. <laughs> um, that's a good question. I'd have to think about this one. But honestly, the Rams, they sort of have – I know we're sort of talking about Cam Akers, but they can sort of use a bit of, bit of a more of an upgrade at the running back position to sort of make that running game more effective to sort of pair up with Cooper Cup in the passing offense. Hopefully they figure out those secondary options in the passing offense. But just, yeah, if you have that kind of running back in your offense, that's just going to make your team that much more dangerous where you don't, maybe you don't need to rely on the passing offense that much. You sort of shift to being more of a ground and pound type of offense, which is something Sean McVay can do as well. So Los Angeles Rams would be a good destination uh, depending on how things play out in Tennessee. If they move on from Derrick Henry, Taylor's a good do I not really put that think, evil on me, Rick Bobby. Don't I you really do don't that. I think they trade within don't the division, but I mean, the option is out there as far as just a possible destination yeah, as to something that you. could happen there. Um, try to think what else, but those are probably being the top two off the top of my head. Oh, Baltimore. Like, I mean, I know they've had issues with injuries in the running back situation, but him landing at Baltimore, like just, he would absolutely kill it with Lamar Jackson, that RPO option. Like that would be pretty dangerous too. Um, so would, yeah, I'd probably get those three would, teams off the top of my head. Him in Baltimore would be pretty cool. <laughs> well, all right. So promise is a promise. Uh, that question was posed by Kevin Kizik, who can go fuck himself. Uh, the correct answer is the Indianapolis Colts. If you say so. If you say so. I do say so. The problem is Jim Mercer doesn't. Exactly. He's too busy trying to save an orca whale <laughs> instead of figuring out his I'm trying to save the whales, man. <laughs> 
It's okay, though, because oh, apparently the God. NFL won't care when either one of them is dead or whatever the hell that quote was. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so interesting, so interesting. I but, hate my life. Guys, we appreciate all the questions that were submitted, and we we hopefully – I think we got to all the questions. We got to some additional questions as well. Uh, but just, yeah, I mean, guys, like we talked about at the beginning of the episode too, I mean, perfect timing. You're seeing the ticker down below. Make sure you're interacting with us on social media so we can answer your questions all season long because just because we answered the majority of the questions today, that doesn't mean your questions stop because you could get hyper-specific like our good friend Jay with his draft or you could get pretty broad with Chauncey and some of his questions as far as like just being, you know, just general Very, advice. So so broad that we went for three hours on his podcast. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. It's true. So, I mean, guys, whatever your questions are, we are here to help you out. So make sure you're following us. You got us on Twitter. You got me at on the side 23. You got Tad at Tad the side 94. You got the show handle at the decide guys. And of course on Instagram at the decide guys as well. Make sure you interact with us, submit all your questions, whether it pertains to the draft, whether it pertains to in-season with waiver and trade advice, whether it's like figuring out your fantasy punishment. Tad does a fantasy punishment in his league, so he's probably got a great a bunch of ideas for you. So. Speaking, speaking of Kevin, by the way, who submitted the Jonathan Taylor question, he had to go to Dallas Wings game by himself for on a Sunday afternoon. That there was you go. His there you go. So, I mean, Taz probably got a lot of great options for you if you need a fantasy punishment. So, I mean, please, guys, whatever your question is, submit it to us. We are happy to help you out with anything and everything pertaining to fantasy football. Make sure you subscribe wherever you listen to your podcast. Are you always up to date with our fantasy advice through the podcast, whether that's on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, you can listen right on the LEFA Network website. Subscribe. Always be up to date with the podcast. If you're watching us on YouTube, make sure you subscribe to our YouTube channel. Uh, so, you're always up to date with our YouTube video uh, chat. YouTube content as well. And of course, make sure you're supporting our parent network, LEFB Network. Ryan was so supportive in submitting us some questions, but he's also so supportive in letting us host this podcast on LEFB Network. So make sure you're giving them a follow. They got you covered with the professional level with the Rams and the Chargers. And of course, the college level, they got you covered there with the USC Trojans and the UCLA Bruins. So I mean, guys, they got you covered on all LA football sports for sure there. And I mean, guys, fantasy season is upon us. I mean, we can't keep stressing this enough, but we are here to help you. So make sure you're reaching out to us. We'd love to help you win some titles. And to guys, to everybody who's already doing that, who's reading our articles on the website, make sure you go to our website. we got some articles coming out there too. Who subscribe to the podcast, listening, watching, following, interacting. I mean, just anything and everything you're doing in between there, guys. We really can't thank you enough. And, you know, this kind of speaks to something I tell my students a lot when I point to the classroom rules of the, this, like, poster board with my terrible handwriting on the wall. I go, that is not set in stone. That is a living document. It changes throughout the year. Same thing with this episode. This episode is not where we stop with giving you guys advice. It is a living thing. It's like we want to give you guys advice, whether it be through the episodes or whether it be through social media uh, interaction. That includes YouTube as well. I know a lot of people don't count that social media. At this point, they might as well. So YouTube comments, Twitter replies, Instagram comments, whatever it is, if you need, I mean, look at the question we took from Jay. I'm drafting this specific spot. We just yeah. spent like 10 minutes of our podcast on that. So if you have a specific <laughs> fantasy question we are here for you we'd love to help you out is um you know what there's no better word for it fantasy football is our addiction it is especially sure. mine i, I sure. will definitely speak to this it is my addiction it is unhealthy but you know really what quick, Dad, gonna... how many leagues are you playing in this year oh god six <laughs> yeah five, I'm or, five or six I'm seven. five or six so it's yeah. very much an addiction i've been saying yes <laughs> no it's it's bad it's bad it's like you know it's like the the uh dave Chappelle. 
yeah. thing. Like, yeah, more, more than fantasy football yeah, leagues. So trust us, you're not bothering us. We love it. We welcome any questions you have. So even though we are ending this episode in just a couple seconds, please hit us up with any questions, any concerns you might have about your fantasy league in the upcoming year. So as always, thank you everyone so much for listening. Thank you so much for watching. And as always, stay safe, everyone, and happy draft season.